All right, Patriots, hardliners, warriors for Christ, it's time to stand up and take your nation back. Are you ready? It's time to assemble. It's time to return God back at the top of the throne where he belongs and get Christ back in our heart where he belongs. They've crossed this line one too many times, and we are going to take this nation back once and for all. Isaiah 42:13 reminds us, the Lord goes forth like a warrior, like a man of war, he stirs up his fury. He shouts out his battle cry against his enemies, he shows his might, and that's what we will do here at His Heart Line. We will show his might. They have crossed this line for the last time. So let's take this nation back. Let's get started. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Good evening, hardliners. Good afternoon. Good morning, wherever you are in the world. I am Jason, your co-host with God and Jesus Christ at my side, and they are the ones at the wheel. They are the ones at the helm. They are the host, and they are the ones that are steering this shit through these crazy, chaotic waters. So welcome, 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 welcome. So today, we're going to be discussing something pretty heavy, something that um, I feel very compelled to discuss. Now, it's not the most riveting subject, but it is a very interesting subject at, at that because it has everything to do with why we are seeing, like legitimately, it has everything to do with uh, why we're seeing things play out the way that they're playing out. Now, before we get into that, because what we're going to be discussing is corporate America and how the act of 1871 made the United States of America. And when I say the United States of America, I mean the United with a lowercase U states with a capital S of America, how it was supposed to be and how um, bad people infiltrators from within, from a foreign nation, we all know as Britain, right? how they came over and uh, they infiltrated uh, covertly and they basically took over our nation and turned America as we used to know it into the United States or AKA the corporation. And I'm going to go over that because there's a lot of people out there that just, they poo poo it. Then when you tell people that the, the nation, you know, America is a corporation, you get so many people like, Oh, that's, that's conspiracy. That's conspiracy. It's like, no, no, it's not conspiracy. Okay. It's not conspiracy at all. And there's a lot of people that when, you know, I'm out there listening to people um, and, and, you know, for the sake of causing uh, issues within certain elements within the family and elements within our friend circles and even people at work. I mean, here's the thing. It's so weird. There's so many people out there. They're, they're awake to what's going on, right? Like people seem to be awake with what's happening and how terrible this quote unquote Biden administration is. But again, I'm here to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, Biden's not the president. Just little, little uh, spoiler alert. But, you know, hey, if you haven't heard me in the last other dozen or, sh you know, so shows, um, I, I, I just I don't know how else to get through to you. But but here's the thing, though. There's so many people that are like. I've never heard like I actually heard Glenn Beck one time, I think, you know, and I remember this because this one show that Glenn Beck did, it was in 2020. It was when the whole COVID crap was going on. There was a lady in Holland. I wish I can remember her name in Holland, Michigan. She was a store owner. In fact, and her story went nationwide and she got arrested because she kept her restaurant open. And I wish I could remember this lady's name. Maybe I could try to reach out to her, have her on the show, because that lady, true patriot right there true patriot didn't give a crap about the system and what they said she did not want to listen to those lockdowns because she knew damn well that they were unconstitutional and it went against her rights that were god-given 
And so maybe I should try to find her. I, I would love to do an interview with her. I think she'd be an amazing woman to have on here. But but before I get into this, um, but I guess I'll just say all that. I, I say all that to say this, you know, with Glenn Beck's show, she was interviewed on there with, I guess, her attorney. And she was telling her story. And then she was going on a, uh, I don't want to say a big long rant, but she started kind of like trying to like red pill people, if you will, on his show saying, well, you know, the United States is a corporation and, and da, 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 da. And she started getting in, into some of the details. And like, at first, I didn't know what she was talking about. Like I did and I didn't. Like I knew the U.S. was a corporation. I just didn't know the details and all the like, you know, intricacies behind it. Like I had no idea. This is before I knew about the assemblies, any of that. And as she's talking about all this stuff and you could tell Glenn Beck, you know, cause he's on live radio, he's, you know, nationally known. So of course he's got a time limit. So he kind of cut her off. He's like, ah, I don't know anything about any, you know, I've never heard of the, you know, the United States being called a corporation, but you know, and so he, he like dismissed it. So either he knew, he either knows about it, which look, he's Glenn Beck. He, he should know. I mean, you don't get to where you're at and not know that your nation is a corporation. I mean, seriously, especially him being a huge history buff that he is, but, I say all that to say this, he dismissed it. So whether if he was ignorant to it, willingly, you know, whether if he's innocently ignorant to it or willingly ignorant to it, maybe he didn't want to address it on the show. I don't know. But I will never forget that episode on Glenn Beck. He started talking about it. I was like, well, I don't, I've never heard of that, that concept of the U.S. being a corporation. I started thinking myself, I'm like, really, dude? Like, come on. Like, I'm not even at the status of you when it comes to being educated on history. Like, even I've heard of this. But before we get into the details of that, just one quick show note. Um, share this podcast far and wide. Um, join, you know, have, you know, sh- again, I won't ask for donations. Don't care to ask for donations. God bless me and my family with a very healthy income. Um, at some point down the road, if this grows to a certain point to where maybe I can have advertisers, awesome. But, you know, this information that we put out here, I don't believe in information that p- is put out here you know, like via podcast or radio show or anything like that. I don't believe in making that for sale. Like it should be open sourced just like God's word, right? It has to be open sourced. You know, I just, you know, but what you can do for a donation to me is share the podcast far and wide to at least five to 10 friends, family members, social media, email, text. You can just copy the link, paste it in your phone, paste it on your social media. It typically should come up with like a thumbnail and the details of the show and it'll pop up all nicely advertised, you know, like all nicely packaged and everything. I don't care if you got to do this with, uh, you know, smoke signals or, you know, Morse code, put it out there. And if you don't want to do that and you really, truly like what we're doing here, just share the website. Say, Hey, I listen to this guy named Jason. He's got the show called his hard line. You can actually find uh, the media player if you don't have a Podbean account. So Someone doesn't even have to have Podbean. You can just go to hishardline.com, click the podcast link, and boom, there's a media player there, and it plays all the newest episodes from the top, and it goes to the older episodes in descending order. So it's very easy, very simple. And if you want to learn more about the assemblies, I have specific topic, uh, topical podcasts that I have picked out. They're on a different link called Assembly. So you can check that out if you choose to. Uh, so anyway, but there's that. Um, one quick thing, kind of, Aside from the topic at hand here, I just have to put this out there. Now, this is something I would typically wait for a His Hardline Quick Look episode. Well, first off, two things. Yes, Sussman got acquitted or let off or whatever you want to call it. I heard two different things. I heard acquitted and then I heard somewhere else that, you know, he was found not guilty. I, I don't know. I think the two are different things. But yeah, we like if you didn't see this coming, 
then you need to put your head back in the sand. I mean, because like anybody who's anybody that has half a brain, or I should even say a quarter of a brain, should have saw this coming. I mean, you're you're doing this court, this court case. I, I think what they're, I believe they're in D.C. I mean, they're in foreign territory, and I think Durham knew this too. I think they did this for a reason. They all knew that this was going to happen because you know it's one big freaking party family there, one big swampy party family. And they're all sleeping with each other, metaphorically, probably physically, but you know, they're all in bed with each other. So none of this should really surprise anybody. So there we go. We touched that. Let's move on. Um, there's probably going to be more to come with there, but again, Durham's not the savior of the nation, just like Trump was never supposed to be the savior of the nation, just like, you know, Donna Brandenburg, who's running for governor. She's not going to be the savior of the state of Michigan or potentially the nation. Like there's never one man or woman that's going to be the savior of the nation. It's we, the people collectively that are going to be the savior. We are the plan. We are the plan. We are the ones that have to stop writing coattails and get our asses in gear and start implementing and putting forth application in the solutions we present here via the assemblies. All right. But what we're going to talk about today. Oh, and before I get into that, that was the other thing I want to talk about. So I was like listening. I was looking at, I, <laughs> I tell you what, Justin Trudeau, what an idiot up there in Canada. So I guess apparently he, he announced legislation, proposed legislation that the ban handguns. I was listening to the Andrew uh, or the Will Cal majority on uh, Sirius XM. And uh, he, he was interviewing some lady that is a, uh, I think she lives in Ottawa. No. Not Ottawa. I can't remember where she lives, but she pretty much lives out in the middle of nowhere in Canada, like kind of like the equivalent of Texas, but in Canada, just, you know, nearest neighbors, like 30 minutes away. So but she was telling a story about how, you know, if she wants to go to the gun range, they have to call some, you know, highly paid freaking bureaucrat on the phone, say, hey, can I pretty, pretty please take my gun to the range, which is all government owned and shoot the gun down there? Like you like this is this. This is the process that the residents of Canada need to go through. They need to call bureaucrats in government and ask for permission. Mother, may I go shoot my my pistol at the government owned and operated gun range? And I'm sure, you know, you have to buy the government owned and operated ammo, you know, so it, it's ridiculous. But apparently he's going <laughs> to He's proposing some legislation, which includes includes a national freeze on buying, selling and importing and transferring handguns in Canada. I mean, listen, this is what socialism is right there. And you think for one minute that these crazy loonies down here in this nation is going to take our guns away because of some school shootings? No. First off, I got news for you. I don't care how many school shootings or how many shootings in general happen. But like somebody on another show I was listening to was going through statistics of death of you know, how many people die from what different tragedies? And I can't remember the numbers, but I'm just going to spitball here. But, you know, they went through like car accidents and, it sh you know, he said the like some high astronomical number. It was like 100 or 80 some odd thousand a year or something like that. Right. Very high number. Uh, people who die from alcoholism, you know, very high number. Right. People who die from slips and falls, like very, very high number. Right. And he went through like nine, eight, nine, maybe 10 different things. And then he uh, <laughs> and then he he went, he got to the bottom of the list and that was, that was part of it. And it was uh, the number of people that died from mass shooting, not school shootings, but mass shootings in general number was 2000 people. And it was a, like close to the bottom of the list. So he, you know, someone made a very good point. They want to take the guns away because if you knew what their agenda was for us, the we, the people here in this country, if you only knew what the agenda was, not just here in this nation, but around the world, 
like literally whoever I heard this from, I wish I can't, I can't remember his name now because I listen to so much stuff throughout the day. But he was like, if, if they, if you only knew the sinister agenda they had for us at hand, we would literally pick up arms and go hunt for them. That's how sick it is. They don't want us to have guns because they know that if we ever found out what they were planning for us, oh boy, civil war would not even begin to explain what would happen to these people. Like it would just, it would not be good. But anyway, I digress. So anyway, yeah, there you go, Canada. I hope you guys are learning a lesson not to vote for these people. Um, and, but again, your votes are probably just as rigged as they are in France and just as rigged as they are here in this nation, which is why, you know, we need to return to original jurisdiction via the assemblies. And if I recall correctly, I do believe Canada, and I'm, I can't, I'm spitballing here, so don't quote me. I'm just kind of going off my memory bank here, but I do believe Canada is like one of the only nations, one of the only countries that I think has an open invitation to uh to join the united states under our you know declaration of independence and constitution so on and so forth but again i'm just kind of going off my memory bank there i don't know the specific details uh, but anyway so moving on now the topic we're going to discuss again like it says on the title corporate america now i remember hearing this term when i was a kid i remember my mom talking about you know the daily grind of work and, uh, you know, she'd be talking about something at work and she goes, well, but, you know, there's corporate America for you. And I and I always I never really understood what she was talking about. But um, but the thing is, um, you know, when you talk to people about America being a corporation, you get people that kind of look at you sideways, especially people that are still asleep. And uh, in fact, sorry, I was just kind of reading something here in the chat. Hold on one second. I got to turn my head because the, the, the chat board is so small. I have to take my, my head from the mic for a moment. Hold on one second here. That's what it is. So Destry is joining us here today on the chat board. It's the, uh, so back to Canada with the open invitation. It's the uh, Articles of Confederation, uh, Article 11 which uh, leaves an open invite for Canada. So there, there it is. Like I said, I, I knew there was something to that degree. I just didn't know the details. Thank you for that, Destry. I really appreciate that. Um, but there you go, Canada. I mean, listen, open invite, okay? Um, we're, we're, we're getting our stuff together down here in the, in the lower 48, including Alaska and Hawaii. We're, gonna, we're getting our jurisdiction back. We're going to get these assemblies in the union of states, uh, the true union of states, not the fakery that we saw in celebration, I guess, in D.C. a couple weeks ago, which faked so many people out. Um, yeah, that's a long story there in and of itself. But anyway, so but back to back to the act of 1871. So like when you talk to people and you tell them um, about America being a corporation, um, I, I've had people look at me sideways like, what are you talking about? And it's like, well, you know, this nation was set up as a corporation. And, and, and it's like, I never really knew exactly how to go about explaining it. But then, in, you know, it wasn't until like recently when I started really digging into the information, I started realizing, okay, this is, this is, these are the details of it. So here's, here's something for you. So Number one proof before I kind of talk about some things, because what I'm going to do is I'm going to read. And again, it's not the sexiest thing to listen to, but it's very important. You do hear some of this and it's very it's a very deep. Um, how do I want to say it? it's a very. Um, think of the word, Jason. It's a very complicated um, 
piece of literature here uh, that that was put together here. I mean, because it's it's very lengthy. I'm going to go through some of the highlighted areas that I underlined that I felt was very relevant to discuss that references the corporation. Okay. Um, but, but um, I, I'm going to still go over some of this nonetheless. And you really need to hear this information because this is really the proof. So if you, if you ever tell someone, Hey, the United States is a corporation. And then someone looks at you sideways, be like, well, here, listen, you don't want to believe me. I can't really explain it, but here's a guy that can uh, check out his hardline.com. Uh, go to uh, uh, corporate America episode um, act of 1871 and listen to that because um, that will explain everything right there. And so, um, because this is all put together by the 41st Congress when they were in, uh, I think it was session number three. And so I'm going to discuss some of that, but here's the thing. So I was texting uh, back and forth earlier today with Destry because I was asking some questions and I, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I know all the exact details of the act of 1871. I don't, but I am learning. I am reading. And that's what you have to do as a researcher. You always have to be reading and you always have to be researching because you can't count on anybody else out there teaching you the proper information unless you fully trust them. And you know that they are in, um, I don't want to say an expert because I think that term gets so uh, thrown around very loosely. But if you trust them to know the knowledge that you're uh, soliciting, you know, or trying to, you know, receive from, you know, it, it has to be a trusted source. You can't just get this information from anybody. But I was texting him early and I asked him, I said, so um, this is what I said. I said, look, I said, I'm thinking about going over the act of 1871 in a podcast. Is there anything in particular that you think I should cover? You know, because I know there's some people out there when you talk about the corporation being, you know, the Amer uh, U.S. government being a corporation, people kind of look at you like you're retarded. And he sent me right here. He goes, well, it's very simple. It's Title 28, U.S. Code Section 3002, Subsection 15A. And it states, the United States is a equal federal corporation. And he was saying it's kind of not hard. It's kind of hard to not believe it when it is, you know, in the U.S. Code. And he's very right. You know, and um, I love his next comment that he says here. He goes, tell them that they should read more. <laughs> Their ignorance is unbecoming of them. <laughs> I tell you what, I cracked up when I read that. Um, hold on. But anyway, um, hold on. I, I'm going to try something here, so I'm not trying to strain my eyes. So I'm going to try to see if I can increase the font so I'm not like looking like an old man trying to read my computer uh, so I can kind of read the chat board at the same time. I got to figure this out. Uh, let's see here. Destry Payne says, oh, he says, not, not an expert, just less ignorant than the majority. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? So, so anyway, oh man, I tell you, it's been a long day. I had a 14 hour day, ladies and gentlemen. So I'm kind of feeling a little loopy. I'm going to, it's going to be a long podcast, but I'm going to try to keep it very short and sweet though. Um, and, and detailed. Um, so, so here's what happened before I get into how this act of 1871 got voided out. I'm going to go over a few things that are in the section of the Act of 1871 that I have right here. I got a copy of it, and it's not the whole thing, thankfully. I mean, it'd probably be like a book. Um, but what I have is, uh, let me see, one, two, three, four, five, six pages back to back, but one. All right. And I highlighted some things that I wanted to read because they're, they're relevant with regard to understanding it. Turn on a light here. Okay. So. This is so what I'm kind of referencing is starting in chapter, let's see here, 62. And again, this was drafted by the 
first Congress. Now, let me give you a little context here for a minute now. So I have a podcast on the assembly page, also on Podbean. It's called, I think, Then and Now in Assembly. Listen to that. It gives a kind of a compendium, kind of like a, uh, a history, if you will, of what's going on, you know, of kind of where, where things were back then to where things are currently. Okay. But let me just give you just a couple quick details here. So, so in, <clears throat> so we had what was called the 13th uh, amendment, right? The, uh, an article 13 in the original, uh, Bill of Rights, which basically, if you held a title of nobility, or if you were a lawyer, an attorney, you, you basically, in other words, you could not hold office in the United States, okay, of America, the, the, the actual nation, not the corporation, like you cannot have that you cannot hold any office. Well, in the early 1800s, I can't remember exactly what year, but in the early 1800s, Britain burned down DC, because they were trying to destroy that. And so when they thought they were successful, some many years later, leading up to 1861, Abraham Lincoln actually became our first, what you would consider our first unlawful president. Okay. In fact, uh, Destry was chiming here, 1812. That's what it was. So the Britain, the Brits came over and they burned down DC in 1812 because they wanted to destroy uh, the original bill of rights because they, they wanted to infiltrate our nation from within, but they knew that as so long that standing document was in existence, that that they would not be able to be successful with their plans. So now we fast forward to 1861 and Abraham Lincoln got uh, elected president. Well, there's a problem there. He was an attorney. And when you're an attorney, when you're a lawyer, you're part of the bar. Well, what's the bar? The bar is the British accreditation registry. Well, basically, in other words, he's basically an agent for another country. He, he, he holds allegiance and has basically, he holds the title of nobility for Britain. So, Technically, per the 13th Amendment, he should not have been able to hold office at all, but he accepted pos the position anyway. Well, to make a long story short, so we can get into the details of this, the South, certain people in, 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 you know, in Congress, the South got pissed off, and for lack of a better terms, and they got up and they walked out and they adjourned sine die. And basically what that means is they adjourned and sine die is Latin for without a date. So typically when you adjourn, you have to set a date and when you're going to return. Well, they didn't do that. So technically, in my understanding, you now have what would be considered a constitutional crisis because if you don't have part of the Congress, right? If you don't have part of the Congress and you, they adjourn, signy die, which means now, okay, they, 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 now you, you have a constitutional crisis. So now you got some of that left with, without putting a date to return. So I think as I understand it, technically, all offices of the United States of America should have been, I believe, suspended, if I'm not mistaken. But that wasn't the case. So Abraham Lincoln and others that held their offices continued on. Now, this was 1861. Okay. Now, this went on, and again, there's a little bit more history here. I'm going to try to keep this you know, somewhat short and sweet because I don't want to. I don't want to focus too much on the history, but more on the Act of 1871. So basically, what ended up happening was obviously he got assassinated. For, there's some reasons behind that, and now we get to 1871. And so what they did is because they didn't really have sound government, 
what they still had in place, the people that were still there, technically, right, physically, they decided, okay, well, you know what, we're just going to formulate our own government. But instead of it making it an actual government, the way our founders had originally set up, okay, the lawful way, they made it into a corporation. Okay. So basically the act of 1871 was basically an act that was, in other words, a way to stick it to the people. So we've been getting screwed left, right, and sideways, upside down in every which direction since the late 1800s, 1871. So let me go over some of this stuff, and then I'm going to get into something a little bit exciting here because the gentleman that's on here right now, Destry, he plays a, he plays a very significant role in why the Act of 1871 was voided. Now, the first thing I kind of want to I, I highlighted here was, let's see here. So in Chapter 62, Section 1, I'm just going to read this. And again, I'm not going to read this whole thing because it would take like a lot of podcasts, but I'm going to, hi- I'm going to read over the lines that I I underlined and and well, let's just get to reading and then I'll we'll stop and kind of dissect it as we go. So right here, section one, chapter 62. So be it enacted by the Senate and House of Representatives of the United States of America in Congress assembled that all that part of the territory of the United States included within the limits of the District of Columbia be and the same hereby created into a government by the name of the District of Columbia, by which name it is hereby constituted a body corporate for municipal purposes and may contract and be contracted with, sue and be sued, plead and be and pleaded, have a seal and exercise all other powers of a municipal corporation not inconsistent with the constitution and laws of the united states and the provisions of this act let's pause there for a second notice that last line it says not inconsistent with the constitution and laws of the united states and the provisions of this act now if you go back i have a podcast that talks about this as well it's called the constitution is for not of the United States, or maybe I have that backwards, but let me just give you a little synopsis. So when the constitution is supposed to be, again, it's supposed to be for, so the constitution is for, not of, because the word of expresses possession. In this case, a possession of the United States, therefore it's a creation to do with what it pleases. Therefore, what that does by switching that word for to of, it unshackles our public servants and therefore it allows them to do whatever they please. Well, that's not how the Constitution was supposed to be. It basically denotes ownership, in other words, okay? Now, whereas the word for, okay, the Constitution for the United States of America denotes something intended for, someone else. In this case, it's a contract of the people intended for the United States, the people that are are supposed to be our public servants. But unfortunately, they act like, uh, (laughs) unfortunately, they act like uh, we're their servants. I mean, I don't know where the hell they get off on that. But so just keep in mind that 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 one word, constitution, and laws of the United States. It's not, it's supposed to be for, not of. Okay. So just a little FYI there. So 
it states right there again, I'm going to read this little section again, which name it is hereby constituted a body corporate for municipal purposes. So right there, it's already telling you right there in that little section there that it is a, you know, a body corporate for municipal purposes. Now let's go a little bit further down section two. There's one line here that I underlined. Now I thought this was kind of interesting. I'm let me read it here. The governor shall be a citizen of and shall have resided within the district 12 months before his appointment and have the qualifications of an elector. Now, just a little key point here, too, in case you didn't know, when you're a citizen, okay, I, that's why you can't call yourself a citizen, ladies and gentlemen. A citizen is basically an employee of the, 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 the corporate government. When you claim yourself to be a citizen of the United States, you're basically self-admitting that you are you are a foreign man or woman, or in their terms, a foreign person in this nation, okay? You're saying that you're an employee. You're admitting, you're self-admitting that you're an employee of the corporate government. You're not a citizen. You're a man or woman, right? You're a civilian. You're a national. You're a sovereign. You're not a citizen, all right? Citizen's a bad, bad word. Don't ever admit to being a citizen, all right? Um, let's see here. Let me get to the next page here. Let's see. So we're going to skip to section seven. Let's see here. Where? What's this little section? Voters, their qualifications, etc. Okay, so section seven. I underline this for a reason. I'm just going to read what I underline, and maybe it'll come back to me why I underlined it. Because there's a lot here. I'll be very honest with you folks. There's a lot here. So I'm just going to read because apparently I, I deemed it important if I underlined it. And it says, And be it further enacted that all male citizens, there's that dirty word again, of the United States above the age of 31 years who shall have been actual residents of said district district for three months prior to the passage of this act, except such as are non-compos mentis and persons convicted of infamous crimes shall be entitled to vote at said election in the election district or precinct in which he shall then reside and shall have so resided for 30 days immediately preceding said election and shall be eligible to any office within the said district and for all subsequent elections 12 months prior residents shall be required to constitute a voter but the legislative assembly shall have no right to abridge of limit the right of suffrage so i keep seeing that whole thing about 12 months so again dc in case you don't know dc is a foreign land it's for it's a foreign country technically yeah it's within the borders of our nation but dc the district of columbia that's a foreign that's a foreign nation i don't know if you know that. Now, one thing I did look up, because this was very interesting. So uh, I'm not very uh, proficient with legalese. Um, let me see if I can find it. But this I thought was kind of interesting because the one thing I kept seeing repeated here, they were saying residents of said district of, uh, and then they said somewhere else here of uh, said district again, right? And I'm like wondering, why do people say said and then follow it with whatever. So just in my quick research here, it says, okay, so see this question on linguistics. Okay, so a short summary of one of the answers used in this way, the word said in quotes is predominantly found in legalese and legalese often leaves out articles that wouldn't be omitted in ordinary English. In this action, 
Uh, let's see. No, and then it ends right there. So it's very interesting, though, because this is how they confuse. This is how this is how basically they 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 implement what they have implemented back then with the act of 1871 leading all the way to present day. They use this legalese jargon that only lawyers and attorneys and and people that have Ivy League degrees. Right. They only they can understand. You, and you need like a law's black dictionary in order to understand all this this jargon because there's this is how they pass through bills and and things like this act of 1871 and people have no idea what the heck they're reading they read it and they just goes in one ear and out the other or just kind of glo they gloss over and glaze over it because they're like I have no idea what the hell I'm reading and this is how they 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 stole our nation from us this is how this is how we got infiltrated from within ladies and gentlemen and again it, it always starts back with words and i will constantly pound this drum words matter and they know this these evil entities these foreign entities that i call demons in dc they know this they know words matter which is why they have to have their own legalese language if you will that confuses the american man or woman because they know that it'll be confusing therefore when you create confusion in words, then there'll be no understanding. There'll be no comprehension. Therefore, the evil entities at hand that are trying to infiltrate this nation from within will be able to get away with whatever they want and do whatever they want and pass whatever they want. And the average American wouldn't be the wiser because they have no idea what the hell they're reading or understanding. So just, just a little FYI there in case you didn't know. And when we get back to common law, just for the record, okay, when we, with the people in assembly, return jurisdiction to where it should be, right? Common law, original jurisdiction, de jure, right? The lawful government that uh, was originally supposed to be situated by our founders until it got, you know, thieved from us. When you have common law, you don't have this legalese nonsense jargon, okay? You're going to have your basic laws that are in basic English that can be understand by the basic man or woman where you won't have to have a 12 year degree just to understand a paragraph in some sort of contract. All right. We were supposed to keep it simple, but yet the foundation is so complicated because it situates us in such a solid foundation that it should never be rocked out of its place. Now, I want to go back to my text here for a minute when I was uh, texting back and forth with Destry here. And the reason I talk to Destry a lot, and you're going to find out more here in case you haven't heard in previous shows, but there's a reason why I text him back and forth a lot. And I ask him a lot of questions. Um, but uh, let's see here. Where am I at here? Because, well, I'm going to get to it. In fact, I'm getting ahead of myself. I don't want to get too far ahead. Let me just pause there for a second. So, okay. So that was section seven. Now. We're going to go forward to section. We're almost there. So section, what is this? Section 14. Let's see, I happen to underline this. So this has something to do with, let's see, no debt by which to be contracted unless. Okay, so I underline this. Let me see. Let's read this out loud and see if I can remember why I underline this. Okay, so section 14. And this is, I'm kind of starting in the middle of the paragraph here, but the legislative assembly shall provide for the publication of said law. There's that word said again, in at least two 
newspapers in the district for three months, at least, before the vote of the people shall be taken on the same, and provision shall be made in the act for the payment of interest annually as it shall accrue by a tax levied for the purpose or from other sources of revenue which law providing for the payment of such interest by such tax shall be irrepealable until such debt is until such debt be paid provided that the law levying the tax shall be submitted to the people with the law authorizing the debt to be contracted so in other words how i interpret this is just the pilfering of our pockets of our money in the name of taxes you know taxes you know taxation without representation that's basically what you're what i'm reading here <laughs> it's, it's freaking ridiculous all right let's go down to section 16 here and we're getting to a very interesting section but we're going to continue after the one next i'm going to read here but let's see section 16 it says and it be it further enacted that the district shall never pay assume or become responsible for the debts or liabilities of or in any manner give loan or extend its credit to or in aid of any public or other corporation association or individual there's that word corporation again so for those people out there that say oh well the united states government's not a corporation it, it says it over and over and over and over again in this paper ladies and gentlemen in this document that's called the act of 1871 all right now here's a very well a very relevant section now section 17 I don't know if you guys are ready for this. Let me see. I got to take a sip here. Hold on. All right. I don't know if you guys are ready for this one. If you've been falling asleep so far, wake up. Because this is important. Section 17. Where have we seen that number 17 before? 17. I feel like that number is kind of relevant. I'm sure you guys have heard that number a lot in the mainstream news over the last couple of years. Oh, let me see. 17, I think. I think 17 is a 7. I think Q is the 17th letter of the alphabet, come to think of it. Oh, Rudy Toot Toot. Let's see what section 17 here in the Act of 1871 says. Come on back. And be it further enacted that the legislative assembly shall not pass special laws in any of the following cases, that is to say, for granting divorces, regulating the practice in courts of justice, regulating the jurisdiction or duties of justices of the peace, police magistrates, or constables, providing for changes of venue in civil or criminal cases, or swearing and impaneling jurors, remitting fines, penalties, or forfeitures, the sale of a more a sale or mortgage of real estate belonging to minors or other others under disability, changing the law of dissent, increasing or decreasing the foes. Uh, let's see here. Am I reading that right? The boy, it's an it's a it's a copy. So forgive me. It's a little skewed here. Uh, for increasing or decreasing the mm, oh the fees. Excuse me. Wow, those are ease. Wow, for the fees of public officers during the term for which said officers are elected or appointed, granted to any corporation, association, or individual any special or exclusive privilege, immunity, or franchise whatsoever, 
the legislative assembly shall have no power to release or extinguish in whole or in part the indebtedness, uh, liability or obligation of any corporation or individual to the district or to any municipal corporation therein, nor shall the legislative assembly have power to establish any bank or circulation, nor to authorize any company or individual to issue notes for circulation as money or currency. Well, first off, don't we have what's called a Federal Reserve? I'm pretty sure we have the Federal Reserve. I'm pretty sure the Federal Reserve is owned by the Rothschilds. I'm pretty certain they issue notes, and it's in circulation as money. I'm pretty sure they're not supposed to do that, but that's not what I'm talking about here. So why is this Section 17 so important? I'm sure... If you were like me, probably listening to it for the first time, you probably went one ear and out the other, and you're like, what the hell did he just say? Okay, so here it is. Let me just say this. All right, so so Section 17 in the Act of 1871, um, there was a – so so Destry – so well, first off, okay, let's, re, let's rewind for a second. So um, I'm trying to look here in the text here. Um, hold on, bear with me here. So, so, <laughs> so, let's see here, my goodness, bear with me, guys. I'm sorry. So, okay, we're just going to start here. So, with section 17 here, with upholding the offices of the Justice of the Peace, now, this was a focus for Destry and other members in assembly. Okay. Now, what they did was they uh, they conducted, I guess, what you would call kind of like a, a an undercover kind of investigation. And what Destry was saying is, okay, with the Section 17, so technically we the people should be able to go and put our name on the ballot, request to put our name on the ballot with the you know county commissioner or whoever's in charge of that on the county level to request to be put on the ballot to run for justice of the peace. So I don't know how many states were included in here. And if he's, you know, not, not too busy, if he maybe can remember and chimes in, but so he and a bunch of assembly members from different states, they went to their local counties and they requested to put their name on the ballot for, to run for justice of the peace. Every single one of these people that participated in this little exercise, they were all turned down. Now, Section 17, in other words, okay, in layman's terms, Section 17, we the people should still be able to put our name on the ballot. That, that was one area that, that should, have, should not have been touched, okay? But all these people in assembly, they went to request at their county to be placed on the ballot to run for justice of the peace. Every single one of them not only got denied, but there was one individual, I want to say in the state of Oregon, who was offered a $150,000 a year position to not run for it. What does that tell you? Yeah. They offered this man, I think he was a man, they offered this individual, we'll just say, $150,000 a year position to not put his name on the ballot to run for justice of the peace. That should tell you something right there. So here's what happened. So they brought the findings 
to national, all the assembly members, and they presented what what they, you know, basically, in other words, the, the they were all denied having the ability to put their name on the ballot to run for justice of the peace. And so because that, so basically what they did, they breached their own contract. They broke their own contract, section 17 in this act of 1871. That's what ended up happening. And so to kind of further, you know, to kind of go a little bit further down the, 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 the pipeline here with this, so what ended up happening was they drafted, um, I forgot what you want to call it, not a resolution. They drafted a, um, oh, I can't think of the, the verbiage. But basically they drafted an open letter and they sent it to the Joint Chiefs of Staff at the Pentagon, the president. They sent it to every, uh, I want to say all the governors. They, 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 it was an open letter and they sent it to every official, quote unquote, government, corporate government office holder, including the Vatican and including the Royal Crown. Because remember, we've been infiltrated by Britain. Okay. So we've been kind of under, uh, under like the authority of the Royal Crown. Okay. So by the act of 1871 being voided out, again, the reason that is, is because they broke contract. They did not allow the people here in this country to run for justice of the peace. And so they broke their own contract, which makes the contract at that point null and void. Okay, well, Jason, what does that mean? Well, what that means is the queen lost her power. You know how when people walk in the presence of the queen... They all have to walk behind her. Even her husband, what Prince Philip, I think his name was. I don't know. I don't, I don't keep up with the royals because I think they're garbage. But even her own husband has to walk behind her. Remember that famous photo that everyone thought Trump was an idiot because he was walking in front of the queen and everyone's saying, oh, he is an idiot. He doesn't know what he's doing. He shouldn't be doing that. Who does he think he is, right? Well, because we the people basically took back our jurisdiction because, again, they broke their own contract. And because they broke their own contract, the people in assembly recognized that, took back their own power, say, sorry, your corporate government services are no longer needed. Therefore, we are taking back and reseating the seats that have been sitting vacant since 1861. And goodbye. Thank you for your services. Thank you for, you know, the auto industry and getting us to the moon and so on and so forth. But you're no longer needed. Bye-bye. And therefore, then it allowed Trump to inspect the Queen's military. You remember when Trump went all around the world, he was meeting with all these different countries, and then he went to, you know, I think he, he, yeah, well, when he was with the Queen and there were some photo ops that were taken there, the Queen did not look very happy. You know who else didn't look very happy when I saw a photo of him <laughs> next to Trump? <laughs> oh, our wonderful Pope. Yeah, our wonderful Pope. He looks so miserable. 
so miserable. You want to know why? Because he's he's partnered up with the with the royal crown. He's partnered up with the crown. DC it was not only owned by the crown, but also Vatican owned. I mean, these are nation states. These are nation, you know, these are nation states around the world. You got the crown in you know in London. You got you got the crown, right? You got um in there, I believe in London, and then you got the Vatican, and then you got DC. And these three nation states, if you will, or city states or whatever they were called, practically ran the whole world. This is like the cabal. And it and it and it, and it goes much further beyond that. But anyway, so that's ended up that and that's what ended up, you know, happening. And so um but what they ended up doing, so, you know, uh, I'm just reading something here. I'm trying to find something in my text. And so, let's see here. Ah, I was trying to find something here. Forgive me. But again, D.C. is a fictional territory. And so what ended up happening is, is so like with the Act of 1871, not only did they make D.C. a corporation, but it also made corporations of all the states and corporations of all the cities and towns basically franchises, right? Because remember, DC is a foreign country. And due to the ignorance of the people side, we never insisted on a certain office to be maintained. And that was how Destry was able to go on the ballot, by the way, as a common law judge in Crawford County, Michigan. Now, this is before he was ever in the assembly. But see, he did his own research. See, this is what I'm talking about, ladies and gentlemen. You have to do your own reading and research. And so this is how he was, again, able to go on the ballot as common law judge in Crawford County. And he had nobody coach him on this. He did it all on his own. And then he applied that to others and their counties. But then two gentlemen by the name of, uh, I'm going to keep last names out because I'm not sure, well, one's since deceased, but Robert. And a gentleman named Paul in Michigan here, they never objected to what Destry was doing. And that led to them, uh, that led basically to the voiding of the act of 1871. And so what we have now going forward right now is we are in a state of, uh, this is now, this is going to be a big word for you. We are in interregnum status right now. So basically interregnum status is where we're in between, we're in a transition from one form of government, quote unquote, if you want to call it a government, corporate government, to the new government, the republic, the constitutional republican form of government, the de jure government, by we the people, in assembly, self-governed, returning back to our original jurisdiction the way it was intended to be. I want to read a couple more things here, and I'll return to, to that here in a minute. Um, let me see here. I thought this was kind of interesting too. Section 22, where it says, and be it further enacted that the property within the corporate limits of Georgetown shall not be taxed for the payment of any debt therefore or hereafter to be contracted by the corporation of Washington, nor shall the property within the corporate limits of Washington be taxed for the payment of any debt here to for or hereafter 
to be contracted by the Corporation of Georgetown. And so long as said cities shall remain under distinct municipal governments, the property within the corporate limits of either of said cities shall not be taxed for the local benefit of the other, nor shall said cities or either of them be taxed for the exclusive benefit of the county outside of the limits thereof. Hmm. Well, where are they getting their money from? If they're not taxing their own, you know, people within those, uh, within those, um, within those limits, those city limits, where do you think they're getting their money from? They're getting it from us. They're pilfering our pockets. So they don't tax their own people within those city limits, right? The corporation, but they sure as hell tax the hell out of everybody else around the rest of the nation. Moving forward, section 28. Here it is. This is very interesting with regards to corporation section 28 and, and be it further enacted that the said legislative assembly shall have power to create by general law, modify, repeal or amend within said district corporations aggregate for religious, charitable, educational, industrial or commercial purposes and to define their powers and liabilities provided that the powers of corporations so created shall be limited to the District of Columbia. Are you seeing a theme here to anybody out there that says, oh, the government being a corporation, America being a corporation, that's that's conspiracy theory. That's not real. I think I have read enough so far that illustrates just exactly how we are not only a corporation, but illustrates that we are in fact, indeed a corporation. Excuse me. We were a corporation. Um, let's see here. Let me fast forward here. There's a lot. I don't want to take up too much time here. Let me see here. That's really not too relevant. Let's move on to the next page. I'm just kind of reading here real quick. Let's see here. Da, 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 da. Let's see here. This has everything to do with the charters, special tax. I'm not going to get into that, but I think I've made my point very clear. I'm not going to, because if I read too much, I'm going to make you guys fall asleep. I don't want to do that. So here's the thing. So the act of 1871 is voided out. So now what's happening at this very point in time, actively, this is the current situation. While the people in each state and all the counties in each state are assembling, all right, because we need 38 states. We need the union of 38 plus states out of the 50 we have in order to come together. And it's not an overthrow of the government. So let me be very clear, because there's so many people that often when I try to explain this, people often say, well, so you're trying to overthrow the government. You're trying to take over the government. No, that's not what this is. This is not an overthrow or a takeover of the government. Uh-uh. Let's be very careful with our words, because, again, words matter. And if anybody says that, you're going to piss me off. What this is, is we're taking back what was rightfully stolen from us. We are returning to a lawful government. They, they took over and, 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 and basically unlawfully took over government and overturned the rightful lawful government. They're the ones that did that. We're just returning the diamonds. Remember what Trump said? What do you do when diamonds are stolen? Okay, if you get caught, it's not like, oh, man, you caught me. Oh, no. Not only are you going to be in prison, but you're going to return the diamonds, too. Well, that's what's happening. It's a return of the diamonds, ladies and gentlemen, and we're taking back what was originally ours. We are restoring our lawful government. 
We're not overthrowing it. We're not taking it over. We are restoring our lawful government. In case you have earwax clogging your ear canals, let me repeat that one more time. The people in assembly that are going to be forming the Union of States, we are restoring our lawful government. We know as the Republican form of government, a de jure government, a government by we the people, self-governing ourselves with nobody above us except God Almighty, with small and limited government under us. I hope I made myself clear on that. So everything that we're seeing right now actively on TV and we're hearing on the news, this whole Russia-Ukraine crap and, you know, Taiwan and all this other nonsense that's going on and, and monkeypox is going to take the world by storm and the WHO is going to, you know, roll down the streets with the United Nations and they're going to force jab and ma- vaccinate everybody. And, oh, my God, it's doom and gloom everywhere. Oh, no. It's a freaking war in America. No, it's not. No, it's not. What you're seeing is a show to wake people up. Am I saying it's a very well-scripted show? No. But what you are watching, okay, again, just like you kind of read from Q. And I I followed Q, but I wasn't a huge fanatic like some people get, where it's like almost cultish. But I followed Q. But let me tell you something. When they say you're watching a movie, you're watching a show, that's no BS. Okay, because everything that we're seeing happening is basically like the equivalent of watching a uh, a toddler throwing a fit because they're not getting their way. All right, a spoiled little toddler that was able to wreak havoc in the household and terrorize the animals and terrorize his or her siblings, right? Making a mess, basically doing whatever that little toddler wanted to do. But then guess what? Super Nanny came into the scene and started implementing a little bit of discipline and structure, laws, if you will, laws of the household, right? Laws of the land. And got order back in that household. And so what's going to happen with that little toddler? Well, they're going to kick and scream because they're not used to order. They're not used to, you know, having things go against them, right? They're used to getting their own way. It's their way of the highway, right? Well, guess what? There's no more, it's, uh, you know, there's no more highway and there's no more their way. It's the way of the people who own the house. Who's the people that own the house? Well, we, the people own the house. And so what we're seeing is a kicking and screaming and hyperventilating and a last ditch effort by these little demons. I call demons in DC and not just in DC, but around the world. They're trying to basically burn the system down and they're trying to take as many, they're trying to make as many casualties as possible. So everything you see on the TV, be very careful with what you believe. I will continue to reiterate that that little fact. Be very careful what you watch and what you believe on TV. You're being deceived on many levels. And I will tell you this, they are very, very crafty at it when it comes to using the mainstream media. We all know as the quote news. Be very careful with who you listen to. And that also includes certain podcasters out there. All right. We are getting this nation back. The corporate government is dissolved. Right now, we are technically a nation adrift. But the only reason we're not seeing further, we're not seeing chaos within our own nation 
and other nations trying to storm this nation and try to, you know, take it over is because, well, we have the military keeping everything at bay. And yeah, we, the people in assembly have authority and control over the military. Now, does, is that to say that we're on the phone with them every day saying, okay, military, this is what you're doing. No, we gave them what's called requisitions and there's 21 of them. And each requisition may have 40 or 50 or 60 different action items behind each requisition. But the, we, we trust the leadership within the ranks of the military to carry out those orders, those requisitions accordingly, you know, to their own expertise and their knowledge and, and experience. But again, not only do we have control of the military, but the military has our back as well. Because when we did what was called the rectification of states, and I say we loosely, I wasn't included in that we, this is long before I was ever included or, you know, ever involved with the assembly. But back in 2013, I did a show on this not too long ago, the rectification of states. The military basically rounded up the governors in Vegas in 2015. They did it twice, but the first time was in 2015. They rounded up all the governors because they had a governor's uh, convention they were doing in Vegas. And they flew them to a military installation in northern Texas and sat them all down and basically, in lesser words, told them what we the people were doing. And now we are assembling and we are reseating the seats that were sitting vacant since 1861. And that basically, if you get in their way, well, there's basically going to be hell to pay. In lesser words. So, and then it happened again in 2018, I want to say. So, what am I saying here? What I'm saying here is, we the people in assembly, peaceful assembly at that. Let me be very clear on that little fact too, because that's very important. In peaceful assembly, this is not a coup. This is not a civil war. This is not a revolution. We are peacefully assembling and we are lawfully, peacefully returning our original jurisdiction and we are taking back what was originally stolen from us to begin with by what we call the corporate American government, AKA the de facto government. Okay. And Destry just wrote here, Destry, you might have to elaborate here. I think he wrote declaration of independence. Ah, that's where he's getting at. It's not just a right. It's a duty. In fact, you know what? I have it right here with me. I'm glad you said that. I'm going to read this. Hold on one second, ladies and gentlemen, because the last paragraph, hold on. Let me find it. I wasn't prepared for this in my notes, but I have it right here on the fly. I know where you're going at, Destry. Let me see, let me get this up here real quick. Here it is. Uh, let me go flip right to the page here. Where are we at? Bear with me, ladies and gentlemen. Again, I wasn't prepared to do this. Okay, Declaration of Independence. Let's go to the right to the last paragraph. And I've read this before. I know I have, but I'm going to read it again here. Um, let's see here. Well, not the last paragraph. I know where he was going at. Um, we're just going to read part of this because it is important. It says, when in the course of human events, it becomes necessary for the one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with one or with another and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and the law and then in of nature's god entitle them 
A decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to the separation. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that men are created equal, and that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, and among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, and that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed, that whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it and to institute new government, laying its foundations on such principles and organizing its powers in such form as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. Prudence indeed will dictate that governments long established should not be changed for light and transient causes, and accordingly, all experience hath shown that mankind are more disposed to suffer while evils are sufferable than to right themselves by abolishing the forms to which they are accustomed by when a long but when a long train of abuses and usurpations pursuing invariably the same object evinces a design to reduce them under absolute despotism, it is their right, it is their duty to throw off such government and to provide new guards for their future security. Such has been the patient sufferance of these colonies, and such is now the necessity with which constrains them to alter their former system of government. The history of the present king of Great Britain is a history of repeated injuries and usurpations, all having in direct object the establishment of an absolute tyranny over these states. To prove this, let facts be submitted to a candid world. And we are still dealing with that same crap today. Industry asks here, do people comprehend what duty means? Do you ladies and gentlemen out there comprehend what the word duty means it it means we have a responsibility an unbridled responsibility at that to get involved on the local level in our county and in our state You hear General Flynn talk about it all the time. Local action equals national impact. So it's because we ride on the coattails of other people. They're going to, they're going to, um, they're going to implement the agenda that they want. Let's see, Destry was just saying something. I've been having issues with, with Podbean. He said you went digital for about 30 seconds. Do I sound normal right now, Destry? Does it sound normal right now? Because Podbean really needs to stop doing this. Hopefully I sound normal here. Let's see here, I'm just typing here. Do I sound normal? Hearing me. He's texting me. He 
Yeah, he says normal now. That's interesting. I've been having an issue aside from this, uh, just a little side note. This is kind of part of the issue that I've been having with Podbean. And I've been back and forth with them. And I've had this issue with two other web browsers, but it basically makes it sound like I'm a, like a distorted robot, like all digitized. And it just sounds weird. I, I, I don't know what the hell's going on, but I, I wish it'd stop. But anyway, we're approaching, um, we're approaching an hour in, in nine minutes. He just sent me a text. He says, yeah, he goes, you do sound normal now. They, they don't like you uh, talking about this subject. He says, I was booted from the podcast. That's interesting. See, they're listening. I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, they are listening. They do not want this information out there. I'm a nobody, technically, okay? I only, I, listen, I only have about 5,300 downloads, about roughly, you know, 300-odd-some listeners. But here's the thing. Um, oh, Destry's back on the actual chat. That is so interesting. Like, they they don't want, they, they don't want this message getting out here, ladies and gentlemen. You have to understand how important this is. You're not going to get this on any other podcast out there. And I'm not trying to elevate myself up and boast ourselves up here, but I'm just, I'm trying to tell you the relevance of the information that's being put out here. That's why it's so vital and important that you share this far and wide and bring people to this platform. Okay. And just for a little side note, if for whatever reason I ever get kicked off of Podbean, they boot me off for whatever reason. Just go to my website, hishardline.com, okay? I'll make sure I post some sort of, you know, special link, you know, special message on the front page saying where to find me, okay? Because I'm thinking, I'm toying around with the idea of going on like Rumble. Um, the only thing I'm not a big fan of with Rumble is I'm just not a big fan of video platforms. I like audio only, but I might do that, you know, with specific episodes. I might not do it with all, but like some key episodes that are very important that are assembly related, but not like the, you know, the Bible readings or anything like that. But yeah, here's the thing though. There's people out there that don't want this information getting out there. And you know what? I'm just going to put this little prayer out there in Jesus Christ's name. We will get this information out there. So you guys who are listening in at the CIA or anywhere in the DC level, you guys can get the hell on because I'm going to tell you right now, we're taking back this nation. Okay. Whether you like it or not, we know what the hell you're doing and you demons in DC can go back to hell where you came from. All right. I'm just going to tell you flat out. All right. Oh, and for the record, by the way, just in case I made my, I didn't make myself clear earlier when I was talking about how the act of 1871 got voided out. It all started with that man named Destry Payne. We're going to see his name in the history books among others, by the way, this wasn't just a one man, uh, you know, rodeo. There are many other men and women that were involved in this, but Destry somehow unlocked the secret, if you will, and with his own digging and research that, well, got the queen to lose her power. And that's probably why they don't like us, you know, talking about this. If I recall correctly, I think Podbean, I think is originally out of England too. <laughs> I think, I don't know. I have to, because when I was having technical issues, I think I remember reading that somewhere. So there's somewhere over in Europe. So they're definitely not liking me. I'm sure. Over there. <laughs> what the hell? I don't care. You know what? Censor me all you want. I'm going to figure a way to get the message out here because you know, at this point I'm having fun with you people. Now you guys can keep trying to mess with me. I always listen. My name is Jason Jones and I always, find a way. I am very, I'm very consistent, persistent. I am very, very, uh, I'm very stubborn. So you can try to silence me all you want. I will find a way to get the message out there and I will find to get it out there to more and more ears and eyes out there. So as far as I'm concerned, have fun. But in, again, I'm going to say it in Jesus Christ's name, you will be stopped because this is the Lord's fight. This is the Lord's platform. And he will make sure that, well, 
he puts a boot over your neck. So with that, we're going to end the show. It's at an hour and 12 minutes, kind of a long show. I hope I didn't put you to sleep. But again, ladies and gentlemen, this is a very important show. Go back and listen to the repeat. Share this with friends and family members because, again, this goes over pretty much proof in the pudding with some of the things that I read here. And you can read it. The Act of 1871. Go and read for yourself. You can, I'm sure you can find it online somewhere. Okay? Read the Act of 1871. Okay? Or at least skim through it and try to do your own research. But that right there explains thoroughly how this nation was not only hijacked from us, but it was turned into a corporate, a government corporation which basically ultimately screws the American people out of money and enslaves us and, and pretty much keeps us down and, and, and allows us to not live abundantly, freely, you know, and happily, right? In the pursuit of happiness. We're going to end this with the warrior's prayer. It's a little recording I have here. Let me uh, see if I can find it here. And uh, let's play, let's play, pray. Ugh. Words are hard. Let's play this real quick. Heavenly Father, your warrior prepares for battle. Today I claim victory over Satan by putting on the whole armor of God. I put on the girdle of truth, may I stand firm in the truth of your word, so I will not be a victim of Satan's lies. I put on the breastplate of righteousness, may it guard my heart from evil, so I will remain pure and holy, protected under the blood of Jesus Christ. I put on the shoes of peace, may I stand firm in the good news of the gospel so your peace will shine through me and be a light to all I encounter. I take the shield of faith. May I be ready for Satan's fiery darts of doubt, denial, deceit, so I will not be vulnerable to the spiritual defeat. I put on the helmet of salvation. May I keep my mind focused on you, so Satan will not have a stronghold on my thoughts. I take the sword of spirit. May the two-edged sword of your word be ready in my hands so I can expose the tempting words of Satan. By faith, your warrior has put on the whole armor of God. I am prepared to live this day in spiritual victory. Amen. Amen, indeed. And like Destry was just saying, this is the great American experiment. And he also he also types here, if the people can keep it. And you know what? That's a good way to actually end this off. And back in 1789 AD, the founders met at Constitutional Hall in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And created the federal constitution, creating a more perfect union. And a reporter asked Ben Franklin, what form of government have you brought upon us? Ben Franklin responded, a republic, if you can keep it. But the part that a lot of you have never been taught before in school, General Lee, standing behind Ben Franklin, spoke up and said, and if you cannot keep it, you will end up with a democracy. And this was the beginning of the great American experiment to see if the people can self-govern. And from this day forward, the Vatican, London, the crown all worked together to, to subvert and take back the colonies. And so that, ladies and gentlemen, is where we are at. That is where we are at. So remember, as it states in Joshua, Joshua 1.9, I command you, be strong and steadfast. Do not fear nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And that's what it means to be a hardliner. We are firm and we are steadfast. And most importantly, we are uncompromising. That's what we have to be, ladies and gentlemen, not only as hardliners, but as patriots and as warriors for Christ. 
because we are indeed warriors for Christ and this is the Lord's fight. And Isaiah 42, 13 reminds us that the Lord goes forth like a warrior, like a man of war, he stirs up his fury and he shouts out his battle cry against his enemies. He shows his might. And that is what we will do in this nation, in our assemblies, here at his hard line, here in America, we will hold his hard line and we will show his might. Have a good night. Have a good morning or a good afternoon wherever you are in the world. I know Destry, I think you're over there in the great north they call Alaska. Not sure what time it is there. I think it's still technically afternoon for you. But wherever you're at in the world, have a blessed night, a blessed day. Mr. Destry and anyone else who came here to listen, appreciate you coming by. And remember, I don't ask for money. I will never ask you for money. But what you can do as a donation is donate by sharing this link, sharing this podcast far and wide with at least five to 10 friends, family members, coworkers, enemies, second cousins, whatever, right? Just share it far and wide. Give them the website, www.hishardline.com. And again, remember, if for whatever reason I ever get booted off this platform, just go to hishardline.com. I'll make sure I have a message on the very front landing page of where you can find me, even if it's temporarily until I can figure out a more permanent solution. So just FYI, that's going to be this, you know, that's going to be the meeting spot. Okay. For whatever reason, you don't see any posts come up on Podbean. That's where you're going to find me is at hishardline.com. All right. Signing off until next time. And we'll be back tomorrow for a 1% or less with him, maybe possibly a his hardline quick look. And until then, or the next time, have a blessed night, morning or afternoon, and we'll see you then. Bye-bye. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to say thank you so very much for joining us here for another His Hardline discussion. Don't forget to share this website, www.hisheartline.com. Share this podcast far and wide. And remember, as it states in Joshua 1.9, I command you, be strong and steadfast. Do not fear nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And that's what it means to be a hardliner. We are firm, we are steadfast, and we are uncompromising. We are warriors for Christ, and this is the Lord's fight. It's time to take this nation back and return God back at the top of the throne where he belongs. Thank you for joining us again, and come back again. Have a blessed night.